Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 203. Everybody's got a dream, but not everybody's got a grind. Eric Thomas. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, my indie film hustlers, to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Today's show is sponsored by Video Blocks. Now, guys, when I was shooting my show for Legendary Pictures, uh, and I did that 96 pages in four days, I actually got into post and we used a lot of stock footage, stock sounds, and even some uh, graphics from Video Blocks. They are an amazing resource. With your membership, you are granted the rights to use that footage forever in perpetuity on any projects you want to. So if you want to try a seven-day free trial, and by the way, anything you download during those seven days is yours to keep. And if you decide to stay, you get 84% off the yearly membership. It is well worth it, guys. Trust me, if you do a lot of production, it is something you really need. So just head over to videoblocks.com forward slash hustle. So guys, today on the show, we've got Mark Gant. Mark Gant is a director and producer, and he did... Uh, he was one of the first guys to really do a streaming series or a digital series right. He produced a series and co-created a series called The Bannon Way back in 2010. And that's how he came to my attention originally. Um, and, and what they did is they did this series that was picked up by Crackle, uh, which is owned by Sony and the, their, their digital arm. And uh, they had a big budget for a web series. You know, they had... Michael Ironside, uh, Robert Forrester, Vanessa Marcel, and and a ton of other people, and it was a very big success. They had sponsorships, they had everything, and I've always wanted to know the inside story and how they got this web series when there really were no web series or very few of them around. How they got it off the ground and how were they able to get the big budgets and the sponsorships and everything and. Mark opens up completely about that entire process. He also talks a lot about um, his directing career because now he's become a director since then. And he's been an actor and has over 54 credits in uh, on IMDb as an actor alone. So the man is constantly working. It took us a while to even get this interview up and off the ground because we've been chasing each other for about a year. Um, but it was just a wonderful, time, a wonderful uh, conversation about someone who's in the business, working in the business, 
Um, he's doing a lot of television. He was in the Ocean. He was in Ocean's Eleven. Has worked with some very big stars, very big directors, and has some amazing stories from inside the Hollywood machine. So I wanted him to come on to really share his journey with us and and talk about how he was able to get that that really kind of pinnacle uh, series off the ground. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Mark Gant. I'd like to welcome to the show Mark. Gant, man, thank you so much for being on the show and taking the time out to talk to the tribe, man. Absolutely, I'm very excited about this. We've been. I'm a we, huge. I'm a huge fan. Oh, thank you, man. I thank you. I, we've been trying to do this now for I think almost a year. <laughs> <laughs> it's been. We've been going back and forth, just trying to get our schedules uh, in order. <laughs> so I'm glad that we finally found that little, that little moment in time that we can actually do this. The problem with hustlers is we're always hustling. You know that's I mean? the truth. That's you know what? Amen, brother. That's the truth. It's not like we're just sitting around waiting, right? We're always gonna yeah. do we're always doing something. My, I was talking to my mom last night. She said, Hey, have you watched the Unabomber series yet? I'm I'm binge watching it. I said, No, I haven't watched it yet. She goes, Yeah, you haven't watched it because you're busy doing stuff. She's like, I'm sitting at home. She's like, You're always doing stuff. I'm like, Yeah, you know, try. That's that's what my mom does exactly the same thing. She, have you seen this? Or have you done? I'm like, No, I I no. I didn't even know there was a Unabomber show. That's the exactly. first you're the first time I've heard. What where is it? I want to see this show. It's it's on Discovery. Actually, the one of the writers I've been uh I'm friends with with that has been the former FBI agent who's working on criminal minds. Mm-hmm. He's the, uh, he created the show oh, and nice. sold it to discovery and, um, all real facts about, and the real guy that, that caught the Unabomber is his co-writer. Oh, that so must be pretty, pretty, that must be pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty, yeah. So Mark, how did you get into this crazy business, man? Oh man. Uh, it started, I would say, um, in nine, a long time ago, in San Diego, I moved. I lived in Northern California. I moved down to San Diego to help uh, my best friend's uh, sister move into college, and we ended up signing up for a junior college and stayed there. And within like a year and a half, um, uh, there was a lot of production going on in San Diego. And so there's a friend of mine was doing some going to some party, and she's like, "Oh yeah, it's a rap party for a movie." and and then she came the next day and she's like, yeah, my friend's looking for an ass- a prop assistant. And I was like, prop assistant? That sounds cool. And, uh, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, if you want to do it, it's like an intern. And I was like, yeah. And because I always wanted to be an actor. I always wanted to be in the movies, be a part of it. And, uh, and so I met the prop master and he gave me the script and said, uh, all right, read it three times. First time, just read it. Second time, highlight everything you think is a prop. And on the third time, make a list of all the things that we need to be shopping for for props. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you get it done by tomorrow night? And I said, sure. So I did that, came back the next day, had a notebook, the script, highlighted the whole thing. He's like, nobody's ever done that. <laughs> He's like, you're awesome. You're on. <laughs> and, uh, and that, like, you know, I, I started as an intern. And then by the end of the show, I was uh, on set dresser slash prop master because everybody had to go on to other shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, I moved to L.A. like a month later to do a, a little PA job uh, on a, this uh, universal thing. And I packed up my Nissan Sentra with all my stuff and I never came back. And uh, I just started doing production to transportation to art department to prop mastering. Uh, then eventually getting into acting, writing, directing, producing and that whole stuff. But yeah, I just sort of like fell into it. And, uh, and I... Just I've done every single job there is. You know? <laughs> right. You just took the opportunity when it came to you and you hustled. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. A lot of people don't take those opportunities when they come. They're like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. 
I don't, I'm not a prop guy. I'm a director. Well, right. When you're 20, you got to work. You got to start somewhere. I, I, to, to me, it informs everything. I mean, I mm-hmm. think what uh, I was just had a meeting with these producers the other day and I was describing what I've done and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, wow. So like you, you're kind of coming from not just creative, but like you understand the budget. And I said, oh, <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's important. I think yeah. you have to know everything. So when I'm on set, it's not like I'm like, yeah, well, why can't we just do the thing? I know it's going to cost us X amount of dollars to get that location, to have everybody have to drive everybody across town to get to the thing. There's shuttle vans, there's parking, there's, and the look on her eye was like, I love you. I want, you know, and she's like, I love this. I love this. And I think that's, I, in the time when I was doing it, I always feel like, oh, I really want to be directing and I'm doing this stuff. Props. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you guys need? But I'm on set and I'm getting to watch people do it well, people do it not so well. Mm-hmm. And then how all these pieces, you know, go together. Yeah. So you mean we can't have a techno crane all the time? <laughs> oh, you, you totally can't. No, no, you totally can't. Besides that, you can <laughs> I mean, obviously, can. you could have a techno crane. Yeah. Two, two, two techno cranes. Yeah. Yeah, Sixty absolutely. footers all the time. Absolutely, <laughs> just standing by, just like just if you need it. So, you know so I mean? I'll tell you a quick story. I'm down in Miami in ninety something, probably ninety two or something like that, when True Lies was being shot, mm-hmm. and I was still not in the business. Obviously, I was still a kid, and I go to the to the set, and I see you know James Cameron and all these guys shooting you know a scene. I think one of the scenes in Miami, like in Miami Beach or something. And literally, I just saw every single camera toy, crane, helicopter, <laughs> all of it just sitting there right. in case right. James feels like using it. Oh, yeah. But when you're James Cameron, this is okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you know, what happens, I think a lot of times people come out of film school or they, you know, sort of come from a, a, a place that. They think, oh, yeah, well, like the, the we just got this. We had this money. We were, you know, this is how it goes. Right. And mm-hmm. then you get on a real production, your first job. And their first thing they're telling you is like, no, <laughs> everything is a no. Basically, every <laughs> job of the producer, production manager, right. you know, is no. Can't yeah. have that. And you're Can't. like, but I that's what I see the drawing. See, the thing? You see like, I, I've got 55 shots in this one <laughs> scene. Why? Why can't I get those 55 shots? Yeah. Like, and we have six hours to get that shot. So which 22 shots are you not using for that one? The other 22 for that one. It's crazy. It's no, I, every time I've ever come to a set with it, with a shot list, I always come with, I literally come with like 60 shots and I look I, yeah. I, I literally handed the first idea. I'm like, we're not going to do all these. This is my wish list. We're probably going to do about 10 or 15 of these. Right, 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 right. And then we're going to move on. But I'm going to put these all in just in case. Yeah. But I get it prepared, you know? Yeah, but we scare the hell out. I love scaring the hell out of production. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Especially when they don't know who you are as a director. They just kind of like, I don't know who this guy is. And you just show up and you drop down 60 shots for for like a scene. (laughs) But, But you know what I love? I love when I can do that and then also get it. You yeah, know, there's, so, there, like, there's you know those I mean? days. Just go, yeah. I just like, you know, maybe not 60, but you know, you just no, like, oh yeah, no, I feel comfortable. I get that. They're like, really? I'm like, what? Trust me. This is, we're we're going to get this piece here. We're going to get this piece here. We're going to, and the DP and I are already moving forward and we're on the next thing. And then you get it and they're like, holy shit, how'd you do that? And we're like, you know. Yeah, just, yeah. And especially when you feel comfortable with your crew. If you've got a yeah. good DP that you have a relationship with and you feel, if you two are on the same, on the same wavelength, then, yeah. then you can knock it out. No question. Yeah. So back in, when I first found out or like 
discovered you, sir, was in yes. 2009, back in the day when the Bannon Way was yes. making all this noise. And you were kind of, you know, at the beginning of this whole streaming series thing uh, with the Bannon Way, because in 2009, it was not Netflix. It was There was no. nothing like that. So, you know, you were on Crackle, uh, which was a up and coming, you know, streaming service from Sony. And I just remembered, I was like, wow, uh, this guy just came out and did this. And I was shooting uh, a short film with the same actor that you use, Robert. Uh, uh-huh. Robert, uh, who's one of the most amazing human beings I've ever oh met. Oh my gosh, right? He's just, did he give you, did, did he give you the gift? I him all day long. Oh did, yeah, he gave me the gift. Yeah, he gave, yeah. he gave you the gift, right? Yeah, yeah. So classy, dude. Like, so classy. It's so amazing. Everybody that has worked with them always goes, did you get the gift? I'm like, got the gift. Got the gift. Yeah. Did you get the gift? It's like, yeah. And by the way, the gift is, uh, well, I don't know how, I'm hoping it's the same gift he gave me, but it was a letter opener, right? Or, no, he what? gave me a Ferrari. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, he gives a, this awesome letter opener to everybody. It's just awesome. But so I was working with him at the time, and he was telling me he's like, "Yeah, I just did this show for the internet," and every, it was such a new concept back then. So I really want to dig into how, like, you're the executive producer on the Bannon Way, and you're also a star of it. How the hell did you get this going? How did you get money for it? Like in a time where this just was not being done. Well, we started, uh, it started out because I was frustrated as an actor, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, I was doing great work in acting class, but you know, I couldn't get any auditions mm-hmm. and I had a great agent and she's like, I love your reel. You got a great look. There's just, you know, it's just tough. You know, guys, your age, you've already got a series. You've already had this blah, 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 all these excuses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I decided I'm just going to like create my own stuff. I'd already been directing. I'd already, you know, production stuff. I'd already understood that. And uh, I said, we should just go make something. And so I, you know, I made a list of three directors that wanted to work with me. And uh, one of them is my friend, Jesse Warren, who was in uh, class with me. And he had the script, sort of like an Italian job, uh, mm-hmm. very similar to that. Like he had written it, then the Italian job came out. And he was like, oh, well, <laughs> what am I going to do with this? <laughs> and, uh, and so what we did is, because he, he came up to me in class and said, you know, you're, I'm writing a character and it's like, you're him. And so we got together and I said, maybe we can create something based on that character from your script and, you know, do a short film and, you know, do Sundance, blah, blah, blah. And so we got together a couple of times to start talking about what that could look like, you know, you know, shooting at a bank, you know, and how much that would cost. And it's like, oh, that's a lot of money for a short <laughs> film. And that we're not going to, you know, get to Sundance. Ten people are going to be there in the audience. Right. Yes. So, um, so I said, you know, let's. And at the time, you know, I was the webisodes and you know web series were just started coming there's a couple things like um sam's seven friends and uh, pink and there's a couple things that came up i was like this is kind of cool we could do it as a web series but fucking kill it like knock it out of the park yeah and so uh and so that's what we went after and as we were working on it and coming up with a story we got together like every day you know as much as we could five days a week i'd go to his place and we you know when we weren't doing our day gigs and like write and come up with story ideas and then we realized there was no structure for a web series mm-hmm. like everything was like like three minutes five minutes you know one minute 30 seconds so all all west. So, yeah so we said what are we going to do um and a friend of mine had had a film a feature at sundance that got distribution and they got this big dvd deal and like all this money and i was like oh yeah well That's- what if we did this as a feature 
but we cut it up as a web series. So at the end of the day, we can, you know, recoup our money. Cause at the time we didn't know where we can get the money. We didn't know anything. We thought we were going to, you know, raise the money through family and friends, shoot the movie and then sell it, distribute it, blah, 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 as a web series, as a movie. And so that gave us a structure and we said, okay, we'll just do a three act structure. Each, each episode will have a cliffhanger to lead us onto the next episode. And we created, you know, an outline and then wrote the first six episodes and we're like, yes, this is awesome. And we went and like, we had a friend at UTA, we pitched it to UTA, we pitched it some financiers. Uh, and everybody was like, this is awesome, way too expensive, nobody's gonna give you guys. <laughs> right. And a friend of mine who was at ICM at the time said, you know, you're not Clooney and he's not Soderbergh, no one's gonna give you guys the money. Mm-hmm. So we're like, Shh. all right. So we got depressed and then we still looking at it and going, well, why don't we just shoot the first two episodes and then we can shoot as a, use a proof of concept, maybe raise some money, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we did. We, uh, we spent about, I think it was like eight grand uh, to shoot the first two episodes. We shot it over uh, Valentine's weekend. Mm-hmm. I, got, I reached out to Jaguar, got them to give us a brand new XF Jaguar that hadn't even been released in the U.S. Mm-hmm. They dropped it off at our house. And that's, that's, we, wait, so let's slow down for there. So you just reached out to Jaguar and you yeah. said, hey, we're making a short. We'd love yeah. to highlight one of your cars in it. Will you will you drop it off? Yeah, let me back up to say that then I, before that I had created a whole website mm-hmm. that had all the characters, the story, yes. the everywhere it's going to go, who our audience was. So we basically created a pitch deck and a website, mm-hmm. which we didn't even I didn't even know that existed a pitch deck. I was mm-hmm. just creating the show. I was like, all right, so how do we pitch the show to people so we can get money? Let's create something. Here's the thing, and we just like literally we're just putting. I had images of I like the uh, the BMW shorts were mm-hmm. uh, big were, big back then with yeah. Clive Owen. So I had videos of Clive Owen and blah blah blah. So I sent that to I got the contact because I used to do props of like Jaguar and GMC used to do or Ford and Jaguar used to be together. And so I read a product placement person who put me in branding, who put me into marketing, mm-hmm. and I talked to this guy and he's like, "How did you get my number?" <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I did the thing. I called the so-and-so, and they did the thing. He's like, okay, well, I don't know what I can help you with. Mm-hmm. He's like, what are you doing? I said, well, it's, it's like a TV series for the web. And blah, blah, blah. I said, can I send you the link to the, to the site, and you can take a look? He's like, you know, I'm really busy, but uh, send it to me. And, you know, so I sent it to him, and then I called him back like 10 minutes later. I said, hey, just want to make sure that you got it. He's like, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Hold on. I'm the wrong guy. Let me just get, stand by. Hold on. So then he puts me on hold. Another guy picks up and says, uh, yeah, he's just, hold on. I'm just looking at your, whoa, you got Clive Owen? <laughs> I was like, no, I don't. I have the next best thing. Me. I have me. <laughs> and uh, so we talked on the phone. He said, well, let me talk about it with the guys. And then uh, he came back and he said, listen, um, this looks really cool. And uh, I can really see this going. He's like, we've got a new XF that's coming out. We'd love to get it into something. And uh, if you're interested, we'll, you know, this is the color that we have in LA and I can, you know, when do you start shooting? And literally that's how it went. And so that was, that was sort of the, the opener for us. And that was the, using the, the website, which then also we, you know, used it into a pitch deck as well, PDF format and all that stuff got us more connected, you know? So when we were pitching it to people, even actors or actually we got, mm-hmm. you know, Stana Haddock did the original thing who went on to do castle. She had done the pilot Mm-hmm. for castle who's doing a 007 movie and she's like oh this sounds interesting yeah i'd love to do that and so she shot the pilot and was originally going to be in the whole show mm-hmm. but then castle came and so she couldn't do it um but it was because the the website like she got it she goes oh i get the series 
So, so, so I want to just stop for a second because I want everyone listening to understand and really grasp this concept because it's something I've been doing since 2005 is creating an insane website because that's your marketing tool. That's right. what gets you everything that gets you actors, that gets you money, that gets you sponsors, that gets all that because you create the image of something much bigger. And it was just basically YouTube. You yeah. know, that was yeah. it. But you built, but you built a lot of smoke and mirrors to kind of show off like, hey, we're much bigger than what we what we look than what we really are. Exactly. And I and, you know, I mean part of that is it, it what it and what it did for us, besides exactly what you said, it also gave us the confidence because we were like, right. Oh yeah, we really know this show. Right. And so when it came down to like I was shooting it or you know, getting things together, we got to set the first day. It was like, it's been in our bones and we know exactly. And, you know, and you're striving for perfection. You're trying to get this thing, but it was so clear, like, oh no, this show, this shot, you know, we were both at the same time going Mm slow-mo this, Mm -hmm. you know, lens flare, Mm -hmm. door open. It was a slick show. It was a super slick show, man. Very well produced. Thank you. Um, so basically, that was what we did. We shot these two episodes, and we p- created a you know a trailer out of it. And while we were still in post on the two episodes, we had the trailer. I mean, again, we wanted it to be done. We did it February fourteenth. We wanted it to be done. You know, March fourteenth, mm-hmm. nine months later, we were finally done. When you talk about free, everybody doing it for free, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. doing a thing. And and uh, and when we finished it, we had the trailer, and I sent it, you know we sent out like this email blast to everybody that we've known. And had the website and the trailer. And the first person to respond was the guy who said I wasn't Clooney and he wasn't Soderbergh. <laughs> he said, I'm on my way to Disney. Can I pitch it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure. And then he came back. He said, they love it. I'm going to Sony and there's a new new thing called Crackle. Can I pitch it to him? We're like, sure. So he did. They loved it. He goes, can you come to the office tomorrow? We need to talk. And, and that was on. And we met a ton of people. We met ABC, Fox, everybody. And it was like, we had a proof of concept. We had the site, we had the PDF, we had the trailer. Then it was like the two episodes came, we showed the two episodes. It was like, oh, this is what it could look like. And so it was just a perfect situation where Crackle was looking for a feature film because they already had that distribution in place. Mm-hmm. And you know they wanted to do web series, but then it just came to like, well, what if we broke up a film and made it into a web series? And then, then my, you know, our friend was the agent. He came in. He's like, I have it. <laughs> they created this, and so that was it. Because they, the first one that Crackle did um, was on a comic book, but it was a movie that they cut into a web series. Mm-hmm. So it didn't work as well for them as much as you know they hadn't even aired it yet. They just they were just shooting it when when we pitched it to to them. So it was sort of like this kismet thing of like, they're looking for this thing that we didn't even know they were looking for when we created it mm-hmm. because we created it out of, as anything else, necessity. Like, I don't know how to write a web series, but I know how to write a movie. Mm-hmm. Three acts that way. And I know we could break this up. So it's basically six episodes in the first act, you know, eight episodes in the second, six again. Mm-hmm. So that's how we did it. Now, and then just popped it out there. And then, and then Crackle financed the whole thing. Yeah, so we uh, we pitched it around town, and we had a it was between Universal who wanted to do like a branded thing, go out to brands. We'd have to wait like a year mm-hmm. up to a year, mm-hmm. where or go to um, Crackle and sell it to them. And so we sold it to them. They own they own the rights, mm-hmm. and then they financed uh, the the actual production. So 
Um, and since it was the first time they'd ever done that, because the other one was sort of a separate thing, mm-hmm. um, we were like, we had offices at the Culver Studio, at Sony Television offices, which is the old Culver Studios. Mm-hmm. We had like, you know, we were in Crackle's offices. We had like a bigger office than most people because mm-hmm. it was like the special offices, like mm-hmm. they didn't know where to put us. Mm-hmm. So we had this awesome space we got to create there. We wrote the, we, you know, we learned on the job what to do because basically we had six episodes written. And they said, yeah, you know, uh, can you guys do it when we did the deal? They're like, can you do it for X amount of dollars? We're like, yeah, that's like 10 times what we thought we were going to get. So yes. And come up with a budget. We're like, came up with a budget. This had like an empty budget I was filling out and got to the bottom line that they wanted. And then they said, great, now write the scripts. So we wrote the scripts. They budgeted those scripts and it became, it was double what I, what they said they could pay. And so we basically spent four months figuring out how to make Spend the money. story <laughs> that we created smaller and smaller and smaller to fit the, the money that they had. I mean, it's so funny because by the end of four months, you're like, I don't understand. We're so good. The story's so good. Why don't you just give us the money? You know, mm-hmm. and like, I don't understand. We didn't know. How did we know? And they're like, it's not our issue. You said that you guys could do it for this amount of money. And so that was my first thing of understanding. There's a studio, there's a network. Mm-hmm. It, you say it's that there's no going over, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, we we knocked the script and we literally we were just had we had you know um, uh, three by five cards of like scenes that we were you know gonna let go of to the left and to the right were things that we just kept like you know our producer kept coming in I we hired a friend of ours to produce it and he kept coming in he's like guys I need ten of those I need ten scenes on that side by the end of the day like we gotta lose ten scenes we just can't there's no way we're like ugh. Oh, and we did, you know, we finally did it. And, you know, and it was a learning experience all around, you know, and it was tough because there's just so much fear involved because like every day is like, it's going to happen, not going to happen. We're not going to get greenlit until we get this. Got to get to the budget. Five budgets later, money's being spent. People are looking at us. They walk by us in these glass windows, look by us and go, you guys coming? How's it coming? Huh? <laughs> you know? And so there's this pressure. And, uh, and literally right before we were going to get greenlit they said they were totally cool with the cast except for stana we were still not sure if she was going to be able to do it and mm-hmm. they said we're we're selling pre-selling this i'm totally spacing on the other movie they did um and it doesn't have big enough names on it so you guys need some names for the band away they're like okay and they're like but we don't have any more money in the budget of so course of course money you have for like what of course like, yeah so that's where you start scrambling and you know the, our producer's mom used to date Robert Forrester. And so he reached out to him. Mm-hmm. Another guy was friends with, you know, uh, Michael, uh, Vanessa, we got actually through, you know, a casting assistant who was helping us out. And Michael Lerner came through the casting assistant and it was just like all this like stuff. And we met with Robert and he was like, I love it. I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's our presence. And then starts talking about Tarantino and all this stuff. I, and we're like, did yes. that just happen? Did he just say yes? Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> so amazing. I was sitting in this table. This is where I was. This is how it went down. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, and so that was it. Yeah. We, you know, we had, we budgeted, we had like an 18 day shoot and like the eight weeks to fully post. But then of course in the middle of post, they said, Oh yeah, you guys need to turn in a DVD first and then you need to do the the movie first, but then the web series, but then, cause we got to get it to Netflix and we're like, what? But no extra money to do that. You know what I mean? It's just like, Oh, that's what dude that's look when they have you on, when they have oh, you yeah. under your thumb, under their thumb, dude, they will oh, yeah. just milk you for everything you're worth. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so, Great. Oh God, I know. I, I, yeah, I know that feeling just like they just keep, 
oh yeah, now you need to get uh, you need to get Will Smith, and you still yeah. have no more money. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like stupidities, like so, and like what, and that's how this town works, right? Yeah, so crazy. It's it's nuts. It's it's so counterproductive in so many ways, and that's why sometimes movies come out, and you're just like, oh, why did that? How did that get made? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then so when you were so. Go, let's go through the production a little bit. How many days did you shoot the whole thing? It was 18 days shoot. Okay. And um, Shot on the red, the, if I remember correctly. Shot on the red. It was actually one of the first. Red ones, yeah. Yeah. Uh, first ones and also the first, I think, second feature slash digital series that was shot on the red. So we were like, you know, again, early everything. Early, early, early. Yeah, you were on the bloody yeah. edge of technology. Yeah. How was and, that? Uh, how was that workflow? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my God. 2009 red workflow. How was that? Horrendous. <laughs> I just remember, I remember our DIT was just like, I'd go over there and just check in, you know, like, Hey, just want you know, see some of the stuff that we shot that day or whatever. Yeah. And uh, he was just like, dude, this is just brutal. This is brutal. Like, you know, just, oh, just so hard. He's like, I don't know. Transcode. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe come back in like a half hour. <laughs> it's like, like the thing was like, I mean, you're li- and for everyone listening, you have to understand 2009, your st- DITs are a new thing. Like yeah. that, like the whole concept of digital filmmaking is still really in its infancy at that level. Like there had been other digital, like, you know, the, the Panasonic, HVX and other, other little cameras. But when the red showed up, that was the first kind of cinema Real cinema, not the very cam, but like yeah. a, a real cinema camera, and that's basically they started everything that we know now with area with the Alexa and and Blackmagic and all the other cameras. But uh, but yeah, back then, man, I was I was in the I was here, I was in the thick of it, and uh, I was one of the few guys that knew the workflow. So I got a lot of work. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it, was, yeah. it was a beast. That thing I I had I knew I knew feature films that were literally sitting in a hard drive for two years. Oh yeah, waiting to figure it out. No, it was crazy. It's crazy. So yeah, so we we uh, we shot on the red, eighteen day shoot. Uh, we shot everything at Lacey Studios. Oh gosh, uh, yes. and uh, and that was like literally the only thing we could afford. And we went there on the first day, and we were and Jesse and I were like, no way, there's no <laughs> way we can shoot here. Like <laughs> we created a highly slick series. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like transporter, like kick ass, like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. smoking, uh, you know, uh, uh, lock, stock and smoking bear. Like, that's what we created. What are you talking about? We can't shoot here. And, uh, and literally we were like, uh, and the producers and everybody were just like, this is all the money. You can't afford anything else. Everything has to be here. We had all these great locations and, mm-hmm, you know, we actually got one location. We got to go to the Griffith park to do like the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like the 11th hour they let us shoot that the rest all had to be at Lacey studios. And so that was also, you know, you're in it going, now we're changing story and the thing, and maybe it's not, maybe it's a party, maybe it's not a mansion. How do we get this? What is What does that mean now? So, and, uh, so I, again, I want to stop you. So I, I want to just kind of highlight what you're going through right now for the audience is like, even when you're with a studio like Sony, you have, you, you've been greenlit to do a show. You are still basically an independent film. And you're hustling and kind of maneuvering around the limited resources that you might have. And it's it's fascinating to hear because what I saw didn't reflect what you're talking about. Oh, 
Thank you. So, I mean, no, honestly, when yeah. I saw it, I was like, these guys did something super slick, super like really high in production value. So that's why this story is so like fat. Cause when you said Lacey and for everybody who doesn't understand, doesn't know what Lacey studios is. Lacey studios is a, a um, I'm going to say it sounds, it's kind of like a studio, but it's not, it's basically yeah. like an old abandoned warehouse that yeah. they converted into 55 different sets uh, yeah, not even a soundstage, not like no. well, not soundproof no. by any means. It literally, they just built walls and then created rooms. Yeah, know, like there's the, the hotel, the hotel floor, the the empty. It's just they got everything there, and everyone yeah. shoots there. Like every every major movie shot there. Yeah, you know, TV shows I see it all the time. I'm like, oh, there's Lacey. Oh, there's Lacey. Uh, Saw was completely shot there. I totally, too. totally. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, just, so they they had said they had, you know we were in that in that situation where it's like we created this thing and we didn't know what we were doing and you know every we just thought well you know three quarters of a million is going to go, go a long ways and then you start going oh yeah by the way because it's sony it has to be iatsi oh IATSE. you're so done it had to be oh, no so we're done so done. we already have pna we have like all this oh. stuff it's wga it's dga because all that which is great yet it all costs you it's know just, you just so, siphon money out oh. our money our budget is actually two hundred thousand. That's what our budget is. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, we had $200,000 basically to make it because everything else is just going to, you know. It's not going on the screen. Not going on the screen. And so it was really, really challenging. And so we got there and, you know, one of the things that saved us was, I mean, besides Roger Gingerian, our DP, who's amazing, mm-hmm. um, was the, our production designer. And we were trying to, we had like three production designers that we wanted to work with, including one of my friends. And they were all busy. They couldn't do it for the money. And, and, uh, that's where, you know, having Sony, Sony's done their daytime television. They said, we have a guy who worked on general hospital with us and, you know, he's available. We're like, yeah, well, we should meet him, you know, and see. And they're like, actually, no, he's available. And we offered him the job. <laughs> we're like, okay. And we were so pissed. We're like, really? you just, but it, at that point, you know, we're up against it. And they're, they're like, we got to make a decision. So this guy comes in and he was like Bulgarian and he, for five bucks, made every set look amazing. He literally, no matter where we were, what we were doing, he brought in stuff. He's like, I paint, he was coming, we were prepping. He's like painting by himself a whole room in like an hour. He's like, I take care of it. It's no problem. It's no problem. I take care of it. And he (laughs) killed, he killed it for no money. And, uh, and since I was props, I was able to go to like ISS prop house and hand prop room and say, hey, guys, I'm making my first thing. This is my thing, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And they basically gave us an insane deal on everything. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're like you said, we're independent, you know, filmmakers. Yes, we're at a studio. It just handcuffs, like golden handcuffs with the studio. And still yet we're like, you know, pulling favors, getting everything we can for free, getting the jag. I mean, all that stuff. The Jag, of course, changed. They sold the company. Ford's no longer in charge. That guy no longer works there. Right. Literally the 11th hour, a day and a half before we're shooting, I finally get a hold of this woman in New Jersey who's at home with her kids on her day off, and I somehow got her cell phone. Okay. She, How did you get my number? I said, I looked on a press release for oh my God. that you did and your name and number was there. I have no idea if you're the right person to talk to. Wow. And I told her what I was doing and she goes, you have some balls. I love this. She's like, give me an hour. An hour, she calls me back. She, kids screaming in the background. 
She's like, I have a black uh, <laughs> XK uh, in, a, in the port in Long Beach. Right now, I can have it delivered tomorrow. And it did. And it was like incredible. <laughs> it was like, what? That's insane. Because, I mean, even to rent that cost a good, <clears throat> a good chunk. Totally. So I had it for the whole production and a couple weeks after. She's like, do you want to drive it for a couple weeks after the production? You can't. I don't need it back until the, whatever the day was. And oh, I was like, yeah. Yeah. So it's just one of those things like that's just the hustle. You know what I mean? There's just no there's there. There is no no. Like there's I mean, it felt like, you know, it's funny. It's like, you know, when you when I'm thinking about like as an actor or trying to get work as director, you know, it's like you put yourself out there and you get the rejection. And a lot of people just give up, you mm-hmm. know, you get that rejection, you know, it, the, the nose. And I have this, you know, a producer friend of mine who's, you know. He's a successful guy. His, he's got like, he's the guy that has like 25 films in development and pre-production on IMDb with like everybody from Joel Silver to mm-hmm. you know, whoever. Right. And he's like, I'm an independent producer. He goes, every day I get, I get, I'm just collecting the nose. I just collect the nose. And when you're doing a production like that, it's like you collect the nose. You're going to know that your DP is going to like bail out the day before makeup person is not going to show up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's going to be, those things that are just going to be no, 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 no. And you just have to outcreate it. You just have to, you have to be so passionate to like, to win that you just don't give up. And, uh, and I felt like that was, there's so many, I mean, we all, we joke, Jesse and I said, we should call our, you know, our production company, no productions, because literally we are just hit with like, how many hoops do we have to go through to get this thing made? Like literally they were like, Hey, here it is. We got it. Oh, by the way, you need names. Oh, by the way, you have to shoot it in one location. Oh, by the way, you actually don't have any money because it's all going to, you know, I I, <laughs> and you got to have three ninety nine. you know, if we go on things, you got to have teamsters, you know, we're like, what, why, how can't we, you know, just like, and we just roll our eyes and go like, you know, let's do it. It's really a challenge, you know, because they were trying to do, I think back then they were trying to shove in the legacy way of, or the old school way of doing production into the new form, which is web. Yeah. And, and you can't, you have no. nowadays that doesn't, I mean, no. I, nowadays it doesn't happen like that. No. And a lot of times more, more with even, you know, stuff with, um, uh, before even in the beginning of Hulu stuff, um, and Amazon, it was much more, you know, you're, you're doing the the indie production they're not the production company mm-hmm. you know they do the negative pickup or they'll you know mm-hmm. say they promise you the money then you have to fund it yourself and pay for it and then they'll pay you but it's just like even that is you that's know, pretty that's pretty yeah you know <laughs> like wait so but you guys can always say you don't want it oh great yeah <laughs> you have that out so yeah that's yeah <laughs> sorry so the, so the, the show is done you've gone through hell and back uh, now it gets released. How was it received? It was very well received. You know, it was interesting. We, we released, uh, I think it was four episodes at the end of the year mm-hmm. of 2009 so that we could qualify for streaming awards and other awards that were coming out because mm-hmm. we originally wanted we were supposed to release it in November and then they pushed it because they wanted to do a DVD release. And so at the last minute we ended up having to change the date and then so we released it in december and then released it the beginning the first week of january the rest of the episodes like every other day mm-hmm. and you know that that little riff in the beginning was a big thing in the independent world because the independent web series were like this is a, a studio and network show that's mm-hmm. getting you know the special attention of you know 
but all we needed was four episodes to be released in a year and that qualified us and you know we want we worked our our asses off to get to that place we didn't want to miss that window mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and what ended up doing is you know it sort of bonded us with you know um the other filmmakers because at first it went from them hating us mm-hmm. because we were doing that to us defending us and then us seeing them you know, at like the tube filter events or any of the other web series events, we'd show up and go like, hey, we want to talk about this. We're just like independent guys making something. That's right. it. We're not like the studio. We're not some studio guys that have all this money because this is what happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just a really interesting thing. So the the show itself got really great reviews. People really dug it. We were like breaking records. Again, this is early on. So, you know, we get, you know, we got 10 million views in the first two weeks and it was like nobody was getting those numbers. Yeah. And that was, uh, and that was on Crackle. Yeah, it was on Crackle that people were hard was hard to find. Yeah, and, God, uh, yeah, yeah. And so uh, it was really uh, an awesome experience. And then we went on to you know be nominated for six streamies, uh, you know, tied with uh, the Guild, which was like the the big comedy at the time. And we ended up winning four: best director, best actor, best editor, and uh, best show. And uh, nice. it was just crazy, just really, really a crazy ride. And now after you released it, then you released it on DVD as a feature film. Yes, it went out as a feature film on DVD um, and then also VOD so it was, and, and um, EST. So it was like uh, you literally at the same day you, that they released on DVD, you could get it. Actually, on the last day of shooting, uh, last day it aired online, you could um, – rent it on you know itunes and amazon mm-hmm. but in the beginning you could rent the whole thing or you could buy the whole thing in the beginning so they're mm-hmm. like hey you could buy it and so it was, it was already available as a movie on itunes and then dvd Redbox and uh netflix and stuff and then it started to air as movies you know worldwide as you know like a you know the normal distribution model that's that, uh, sony's home video had so and then it did i'm assuming it did fairly well for them yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I love it. This is, you know, it's the creative accounting. Like, oh, oh no, you never made looking money. At never thing, made money. I'm never like, wait money. a second. What's this hundred thousand dollar, you know, TV and distribution fee? Like, where's that coming from? Like, mm-hmm. how do you guys, you know? But yeah, oh no, it made money. It made money. It did good for them. And uh, you know, you never we saw, and to, you never saw a dime. No, no, <laughs> no. And, uh, and then, in fact, the last the last thing I got is like I literally saw is like there's a hundred fifty thousand dollar TV distribution fee that I don't understand where they threw that in or what that or that even means. And so I'm you know I'm reaching out trying to find out if I can even get an audit. And I talk to people who are like, good luck, <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, you know. But um, yeah, because if you do that, then you'll you'll be blackballed. You'll no, no one yeah. will ever work with you again. So it's not like <laughs> hey, give me that money. You know, the the there's a small fight and it's just not worth it, you know? Right. I mean, Forrest Gump did make money. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. so there's that to the point where they actually had to talk to Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks like Forrest Gump made money. I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, so how did Bannon, the Bannon way kind of change your career directory? Like, how did you start getting like what, the, what happened as a result of it for you as a director? Well, so, you know, what ended up happening is that because on that I was actor, writer and producer mm-hmm. and not the director, you right. know, Jesse went off to, you know, really focus on trying to do features. And so he went his direction. He's like, I need to do my thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, get it. And I'm going to try to do my thing. And mm-hmm. so 
I went into, again, developing projects for myself as an actor. And, and in that process, it was like, I need to, you know, make some stuff. I want to direct some stuff. Like I really, cause our, our deal was, um, we were both actor directors mm-hmm. and this one was going to be one that, you know, he was going to direct, I was going to act. And then like the next one I would direct and he was going to act, mm-hmm. but he was like, eh, I don't know about acting. I like directing. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, but I, but I, I was going to, we were going to do the, the thing, so, the thing with the thing, know, the thing about? <laughs> where I do that and you do. And, uh, and so, you know, one of the people I connected with was Wilson Cleveland, who did a lot of stuff. He's out of New York and he did a lot of, um, uh, branded series and stuff. And so he and I connected up and I was able to, uh, direct an episode for, um, lifetime and the better sleep council. Mm-hmm. I got to cast who I want. I cast Jamie Murray from, you know, uh, she's on warehouse 13 and mm-hmm. Dexter and Eddie McClintock from warehouse 13. And we got to do this and that sort of opened up a whole bunch of doors for me. And then I got to direct another episode of that. And it really sort of expanding out of, um, what, I was capable of doing, you know, so I did a couple more shorts and, and then sort of in that world of me pitching tons of shows and, you know, like almost, almost there shooting sizzle reels, shooting actual pilot presentations, pitching mm-hmm. them so close and just like all those things. And while I'm doing all that stuff, you know, sort of go, I still want to direct, I still want to do. So I put together, you know, making sure my director site was, you know, um, was good. And I was putting my cut of reel together and, sending it out to people and a friend of mine on Facebook reached out. She's like, Hey, you're hustling. Like to you, you, you know, you're doing great stuff. Is it thing? She was like, yeah, I'd like to put your name in the hat for a feature that we're going to do for lifetime. And I'm like, really awesome. And she was our production coordinator on the band and white. She was like, mm. like the person that got stuck doing everything. And she was amazing at the time. And when we worked together and we hadn't really seen each other, Facebook friends and, so we met and uh, I read the script and I really dug it. And so that really just opened up a whole bunch of doors for me. So I did the movie and, um, and it was, that was called Murder in Mexico and premiered in uh, September of 2015. And it did really well for them. And that has you know, led to me doing more branded series for GMC and then into a lot of commercials. I had a, a student of mine who said, um, you know, you should do commercials. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I, as a, as a, art director and prom master i know there's like five thousand directors in la like literally there's like that guy right there that, probably there's right? more than that <laughs> yeah and uh and he said uh he said all right well i just like your style you know i think you have a really good eye and a lot of drama like a lot of people do comedy and cars but you know it's just like a storytelling and i was like oh, yeah so like you know it's funny it's like if i would tell him to do something for his career i would expect him to listen but i didn't listen to him and mm. so like a month later he goes He's like, did you ever, are you doing anything? Did you ever think about that some more? And I was like, yeah, the thing is, it's like, you know, and I give him my excuses, just like he would give me his excuses why he couldn't get mm-hmm. a job. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know, but he goes, I, yeah, I get it. He's like, you know, but that's what I do. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I rep directors. Commercial directors. <laughs> well, you didn't like, say that. Uh, yeah, exactly. He's like, my mom, I work for my mom and she does this thing. And we rep, you know, we rep like the Coen brothers and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? <laughs> You didn't tell me that, you know, and, uh, and he's like, Oh, I didn't, I thought you knew. And so anyway, that sort of started this whole thing. And even though nothing happened with that, like I met her and she was great and she wanted to tell, you know, try to help me with production companies. And I ended up getting a job through people I knew. Mm-hmm. And so I booked these, these ESPN and Nissan spots because I knew the producer. Mm-hmm. I told her that she's like, wait, how, I bid on that job. Who got it? I said, me. <laughs> right. And so it, 
came this thing. And so I think what, what Bannon has done for me, it, it's given me, it's opened the door for a lot of opportunities. And then the acting, you know, it's given me, you know, direct offers and shooting movies in Barcelona and, you know, Canada and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. TV shows. And like, that's really just opened up a ton of, of opportunities for me. Right. And, you know, I think what, you know, I would look at, it's funny, as I was talking to somebody the day, I was like, I think that the only thing that you know, if I would do something different, you know, it's like after Bannon, like I felt like I drank the Kool-Aid of like, hey, everybody's, oh, you're going to get a series out of this. Oh, you're going to be directing stuff. You're going to be doing this. And then what I end up doing is like just pitching stuff all the time because people mm-hmm. want to take meetings, mm-hmm. so meetings, about meetings, about meetings, taking things with like Machinima when they were doing stuff and like then Hulu and then, you know, and then Amazon, and like all these meetings about meetings, about projects. And none of them were like really my projects that I was totally excited about. A lot of times right. they were like me teaming up with other people or, you know, like, oh, they want that. Hey, guys, let's work on something that fits that. And then we go pitch that, get really close. And so I feel like the more I'm, you know, passionate about what I want, then mm-hmm. stuff starts to happen. And, um, and I think that's where, you know, a lot of people get lost in like, oh, okay, what? Because I hear so many people go like, yeah, some people want like sci-fi. So I'm going to do like a sci-fi thing. I'm like, is that, are you, do you care about sci-fi? No, but that's what they want or a horror or whatever. And you see, and you're like, you can tell you don't care about what you're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not the subject you should be shooting, you know? Right, right. Uh, so anyway, I think I just went off track there. What your question was? <laughs> it's but. all good. It's all good. And you also did a series uh, or or an episode or two for Ron Howard and Brian Grazer's uh, Digital Arm, right? Yes. How was yes. it? Did you did you work with those guys directly? Did you meet with them, or how was that I, experience? I didn't. They they did approve all the the projects, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't. Uh, they weren't involved they have you know a full-on you know company <laughs> team and teams and teams and team that's do, that's that's doing just that just like imagine has they have people for imagine and stuff yeah, sure um but you know i really like what new forms doing and they, they're sort of switching it up now i mean you know again the space is changing like literally every six months is something different and you can mm-hmm. see they're all trying to figure it out facebook doing you know i guess they're what Face- are they doing? yeah facebook of was facebook video or whatever it's called now yeah, and they just made a huge deal with somebody that is insane. Yeah, they, and they've been bringing on. Yeah, I've, I've been pretty close to the whole Facebook video thing. They're trying to take over. They're trying to basically cannibalize YouTube. Uh, yeah, and and take over what they're doing, and which makes perfect sense because everyone's over on Facebook anyway. Yeah, uh, so it, it does make sense. Yeah, but you're right. It just changes. I mean, look how much the business has changed since 2009. You yeah. know, we're talking about what seven years? No, six, eight years. Eight yeah. years, basically. And it's like you know, from 1970 to 1978, the business didn't change that much. <laughs> no, and now it's like literally, you know, it's it's such a shift where you know now you know from YouTube Red. Oh, it was YouTube Red that just made a deal with um, somebody insane, somebody, you know, I can't remember who it was, it's, yeah, but they're playing because they got money yeah. and Apple yeah. and Apple and Apple just threw their hat in the ring. Apple's doing that too. So here's all these opportunities, you know, that are, you know, showing up again, everybody wants, you know, those Content. kind of places want the, the, the house of cards. So, you know, they're looking for the, the bigger names the bigger stuff, but they're still, great opportunities out there. Oh, know? there's so much opportunity for filmmakers now, much more than there ever was yeah. even yeah. five, six years ago. It's it's yeah. insane what's being done right now. But there's this one little thing you got to do and that's hustle. And that's one yeah. thing a lot of people don't want to do. And I'm sure you know those guys. Oh, 
No, I was. It's. I was talking to my agent yesterday, and she was like, "We're trying. We haven't been taking manager meetings." And she's like, "I just am so frustrated. Nobody wants to hustle. Nobody wants to work. Mm -hmm. This business is like everybody's lazy." She goes, "What I don't understand is like, like you're 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 giving them. You're you're on a silver platter. They don't understand. You're gonna hustle more than any client that they ever have. You'll do. You're doing all these things. You're basically giving them." Money. You know, opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yeah money. You're getting opportunities to pitch you, to get you meetings because you're doing stuff. You're not just sitting there going, oh, I got the script and I'm waiting. And she's like, I don't understand. Why don't people, you know, and you know, I just booked this 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 role on a TV show. And like I knew the writer and we've been, you know, working together. We've been, you know, trying to do stuff and keeping in touch. And then the casting people and like it was like 35 actions for me to get this part that I got offered after I've been in for them 10 times and do all this right, stuff. Right. It's like, my hustle is insane. You right. know what I mean? Oh, I know. Like, I didn't just go do the one thing and do the stuff. It's like, and most people are not willing to do that. They do a couple actions and they're like, no, oh, I didn't get anything. All right. You know, and it's like, you've got to outcreate that stuff. And it's so easy. There's so, there's so much, there's so much rejection, you know, just in the normal thing. I mean, God, you can't even tell your friend a story without them going, well, I'm done. I'm done. You know, I was like, oh, right. That, they did do that, didn't they? You know, or or whatever. Or like, when are you going to get that full time job? You know, Johnny. But but, the, yeah, but the thing I find fascinating about, you know, because we can smell our own, the hustlers. So that's why I wanted you on the show. Right, right. <laughs> we can smell our own. But the thing I find fascinating is that when you tell people about things you're going to do and they're like, ah, oh, you know, you probably won't be able to do this. You probably won't be able to do it. And there's always that negativity. Um, you occasionally have champions, but generally speaking, most people are, you know, you know, th because they don't want to, I don't know why they do it, but they just do. And, and then when you show up with the project done and you did it in six months and they're just like, do you just talking about that a little bit ago? I'm like, yeah, it's done now. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, we just sold it to Hulu. And yeah. we also just sold it on iTunes and we're, yeah, we're, and we're going, we got three other ones lined up right afterwards. And it's, it's the Mark Duplass style of doing things, yes, yes. you know, it's just got to go and just do and just stop talking about it and stop taking meetings. You know? It's, it's the death of it. You know, it's so funny. It's like, and you get lured in, like I said, I drank the Kool-Aid, you know mm -hmm, what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like take the meetings, you do the thing, you meet the managers, they're excited. They do a thing. You do, oh, you talk to the producer, they're excited. You do a thing and you meet these writers and the thing and you go, oh yeah. And then it's like meetings about meetings about meetings. And it's like, but nothing's happening, you know? This and I, look, yeah. I, and I, you know, I'm right now, I'm so guilty of not creating right now. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm jonesing. I like, I put myself, I have basically four weeks to shoot another spec commercial and a short film by the end of the year. And, you know, working on that's going to be based so, on this feature because I, I i gotta do it no just I mean? just stop for a second you're shooting another spec spot after you have a demo reel full of real spots yeah because there's like stuff that i want to do that uh, you know that i'm you know i this this production company that's hip pocketing me they're like yeah they sent me a porsche thing and i was like ah i love that like yeah you don't really have anything on your reel that's that it's not a car spot it's a car spot but it's not it's more you know lifestyle and the thing i was like Shit, i need that so like, I'm like, all right, I want to create something again, what I want, you know, mm -hmm. something, you know, create that, that uh, thing that's going to get me the more work that I, that I want to be doing. It's, you know, it, that work ethic, I think in our generation is, is, is embedded in a lot of ways in our generation, but, yeah. but, you know, it's so hard to kind of preach to people 
I'm like, you've got to do this. You got to keep hustling no matter how old you are. And I always use the example. I was like, look, Spielberg couldn't get money for Lincoln. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's Steven freaking Spielberg, man. And he had to hustle to get money. Scorsese couldn't get the money for that last movie he did. Uh, the one that just got released last year, Silence. Yeah. That, was, that was his dream project. Couldn't get money for it. It took him forever to hustle that money to make that movie. So even the giants, the gods of our business have to hustle sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's just, they don't just drop buckets of money on you. <laughs> no. And, you know, even people, you know, like Clooney, it's like, yeah. you know, they're hustling. He's a hustler to make stuff happen, to, you know, to write stuff, to, you know, hire people, to, you know. Like he's not, he's not sitting around going, nah, I'm Clooney. I can do whatever I want to do. It's like, otherwise he would be doing a ton of crappy movies. I mean, he's hungry to tell stories that he wants to tell, you know? Right. Right. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do this movie. I get that money. Then I put it in here so I can direct that. And he's an, ama- he's honestly an amazing director. I think he's a very yeah. under, 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 uh, underestimated or under, I, uh, not, not taken ser- as seriously as he should as a director. Yeah. Underrated. Yeah. Definitely. Underrated. Underrated. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's amazing. Ever since I saw Confessions of a uh, Dangerous Mind. Oh, what a, what a, che- I'm like, Jesus. That was his first, first outing. I was like, well, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. He's got the gift. Now, and you've worked on some very big movies, Ocean's uh, Eleven and uh, I think Charlie's Angels as well. And a bunch of other big movies as an actor. What's the one thing you've kind of, what's the biggest thing you took from those things that you put into your own work today? You know, it's interesting. I feel like um, every director has their own style mm-hmm. and their own sort of, um, you know, way of communicating, way of telling the story. And I, I always, what, what I think the takeaway from the most part is I have to be true to like what I what I want mm-hmm. in, in terms of like what my vision is. And so I always see, I've seen the, the, I was saying the other day, it's like, I, if there's a situation, you know, most of the situations I've been in are how not to do something. Like that's my learning experience. Like when I'm on a set or doing something, it's like, Oh, that's how you don't do that. <laughs> you know? And so you get to see that. And then there's like the great times where you're like, Oh, that's actually how you do so, you know, whatever it is. And so I think, um, the guys, and the women that I've worked with that are so, so, uh, clear about the vision they want and not backing down on it, but working as a collaborator, I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest takeaway. It's like the guys that succeed the most I've seen have been collaborating across the board. They're not this sort of, you know, um, you know, maniacal, like it goes like this kind mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and I think that's important. You know what I mean? I, I've worked with David Russell and, you know, he's sort of like, he's that way I'm saying, but the collaboration, it's like, you know, it goes his way and he's the king and that's it. And it's like, it works for him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not my style. You know, Soderbergh barely gives direction, you know, right, and he right. says, and he's one of those guys that says, you know, I, um, you know, my, I direct in my casting. He's like, I'm casting the people that I know are going to do the job I want you know, that are, that are, that those are the characters. And then he gets to play with them sort of like props. Go to stand over there and be here. I'm going to do this camera here, lighting here, this music here, this cut this way. 
And those are the storytelling elements. And then other people like Brad Silverling is like, he's in it. He wants to get in there and talk to the actors. Mm-hmm. This moment, it feels good, right? So you're holding yourself. You're just there. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. the camera's going to come around real slow. We're going to reveal you right here. And he's got the, like, you know, <laughs> the lens right in her face. He's like, I'm doing that. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so it's like, it's a different thing. So, you know, what I've, you know, my takeaway has been on so many levels, just under like being able to see what's really, really cool um, storytelling mm-hmm. and, and best ways to tell the story. And, you know, and that difference between just like, oh yeah, we're just going to shut this, set this shot up this way or this way compared to I'm telling the story. The camera has to move this way, you know, or we're not moving the camera at all because why, why, why do we move the camera? It's not being motivated, you know, or whatever, you know, sort of a point of view is. And, um, but I think that's the biggest thing is like the strong point of view. And to me, the collaboration of being able to go like, here's my idea. This is what I'm trying to accomplish mm-hmm. instead of like pushing that idea to go the DP to the costume designer, production designer, prop guy, everybody to go. How do we get that? You know, and they're like, well, we could try this or do this. And you're like, oh, that's way better than my idea. I like that. Let's go that way. You know, got it. Got yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, and Soderbergh, man, he shoots his own stuff as well. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And that's and I think that's why it's. It's not something that he can, I mean, again, uh, everybody has their own, their own thing. My, you know, my wife is a director. She's an mm-hmm. actress, a director, and she directs completely different than me. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't think about camera as much. She doesn't think about certain, like sort of like how the framing of it, mm-hmm. she cares about the, the, the emotional, you know, uh, storyline, the thing that we're going to like be drawn into. Mm-hmm. And she wants to connect with that. And so everybody has it. So Soderbergh, I feel like you got the camera on there. He can't pull the camera off, give it to the assistant, go, okay, cool. So um, I want a little bit more here. Like he's mm-hmm. in there going, I'm telling the story in this. Just mm-hmm. deliver it. You know, please just deliver. I hired you because you're amazing. Right. You know? and, and they do talk beforehand. There are questions. I mean, it's not like he never directs, but sure. he's not like every take, he, you know, each take. He's like, okay, that was great. So let's, um, that was great. Just one more time. We'll have a thing. Just go again. Let's go again. Great. Let's right. go again. Right. You know, and so he's creating it in the camera. He's looking at it and going, this is the moment. I'm going to pan over here. I'm going to stay on him. I'm going to pan over here. I'm going to go down to her hands, you right. know, and he's telling the story for us. And he also edits most of his own stuff. He has editors, but he edits, you know, I, I've heard him, you know, taking over people's movies, you know, as, as an editor. Mm-hmm. People ask him to come take a look at their movie, you know, he's like his friends, their he's, friends, he's a genius. And he'll like just recut the movie. They said, yeah, Soderbergh recut the movie. It's like not my movie anymore. I'm like, what do you mean it's not your movie? He's like, it's not my movie. It's like, I have to tell him I don't like what he did because it's not my movie. It's his movie. It's now his movie, mm-hmm. you know, but that's how genius. Yeah. He just, yeah, he just downloaded it. He didn't, I didn't give him anything. He just took what I had, cut it up, put it in a thing. And now there's a new movie. It's like, he did that in like an hour. I'm like, or in a day. I'm like, holy shit. That's amazing. Yeah, he's just got he's he's that guy. <laughs> thank God he thank God he didn't retire when he said he was going to retire. Whenever that was, like he's I don't like, know yeah, why he keeps I don't know why he keeps doing that. He, he can't retire. He needs to yeah. keep he needs to be working. So listen, man, I, uh, I'm going to ask you the last few questions. I ask all of my uh, all of my guests. Um, what advice would you give a filmmaker wanting to break into the business today? Oh gosh, you know. <sighs> Work for as many people, meet as many people, get on as many sets as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. For, I mean, that's the key for me is 
um, because I've been on so many sets and doing so many different you know positions, I know how a set works. I know I can I can I can tell you know how we can fix something sooner than later, and um, and all those relationships. And it's all this. The town is about networking and relationships. Mm-hmm. Like it's you know anybody that's been here long enough, you know everybody. That's just how it goes. And so when I need something, if I've got an idea, I can call somebody, get some help. And uh, it's it's much easier if I've just worked for free on their short mm-hmm. for me to call up and go, hey man, uh, can you help me out? I need this thing rather than you know, yeah, I heard you did that short. Hey, can you help me out? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I think for anybody getting into filmmaking, it's like to get on as many sets as possible, doing as, every job that you can possibly do, and and learn, you know, so that you're you have all those tools when you're going into creating your own stuff or getting hired to do something that you understand what it means when they're saying, yeah, the grip truck's going to have to back in and drop off the dolly and do a thing. And they do these runs. And you're like, what does that mean? Right. You know, but I know it because I actually was in the van driving to go pick up the stuff and mm-hmm. do the thing and I understand it. And so I think that's the biggest thing is to get, you know, get as much experience as possible. Um, so that you, you, you've got, you've got this basically an arsenal a tool bag of, you know, of stuff to do and then go out and do it and make mistakes. Make, like, don't make lots be, of them. Yeah, don't be trying to like make the perfect short film. I have a friend that has a short film for nine years now that's still not edited because oh. you know he's the thing, and the thing has got to be perfect. And then you know, like the, and it's just like, no man, got to get it out and just done, just done. Move on to the next thing, and uh, it's so hard. It's hard. I mean, for perfectionists like myself, the only way to to get over that is to continue to hustle and create and just keep doing, keep doing, keep doing, keep doing, keep doing, keep doing it fail, fail. It's like, and then you're asking me about the spec. I'm like, yeah, because you know, I'm excited about the stuff I've had, but like, I still haven't got a chance to do the movie I want to make. I haven't got a chance to do the short that I want, you know what I mean? And so I say, all right, let me create that. Let me figure out a way, you know, you know, doing a pilot. And then, you know, I met with a big showrunner and he was like, we're talking and he was like, so you're going to direct it? And I was like, well, I wanted to. And I was going out to some people and people said I should get a big director too. And he's like, you're directing the pilot. (laughs) <laughs> i'm like right he's like you're directing the pilot let them tell you no but you direct the pilot you say you want it this is your vision you come to them strong this is my thing i was like oh right you know right, what i mean right and so sometimes i forget that because you know you just sort of keep doing stuff and everybody keeps you know telling you what to do but i think that's part of it is like you know like i'm i'm willing also to get it made you know whatever it takes to you know continue on to keep creating right sort of right went off this end, the end on that that last question but <laughs> it's all good it's all good too much information in my head i got you brother i got you now can you tell me what book had the biggest impact on your life or career um wow i think on the road really changed my life mm-hmm. I, I think that, that was one of the the first you know kerouac is the first sort of this guy you know taking you know just this guy that's like bigger than life mm-hmm. and this taking this journey and this road trip and it just I, I there was something about it that just that that then sort of opened the door to for me literature because I wasn't a kid I didn't go to college I didn't then you know hated reading and I read that and it just opened up like literature to me and it opened up the beatniks and it opened up Bukowski and it turned into you know other you know Nabokov and all that kind of stuff that was just like oh Mm-hmm. literature storytelling rich characters you know and so that really 
inspired me to, you know, to be a writer, to, to tell those kind of stories. Now, what lesson took you the longest to learn, whether in the film business or in life? Just because I haven't done it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I'm going to be, that I'm not good at it. I think part of me feels like, I feel like I need it all figured out <laughs> in order before I can go do something. Sure. And so I feel like I, that, I think the hardest thing for the, the hardest lesson for me is to trust my own talent mm-hmm. and to, and to, and to like keep putting myself out there, you know, as a hustler, I'm still doing stuff. I'm still, you know, making things happen. But I think there's a part of me that's still, still not, you know, a hundred percent, you know, belief that I can be the Soderbergh, you know, I mean, like see Soderbergh, like, that's Soderbergh. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, but to, 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 to say that, you know, I'm enough to go do that. I think that's been like the, the hardest lessons I see as I'm looking at my, my life, my career, my body of work and going, yeah, how could I not think like you just say, why are you doing that? You've already got reels. Why are you mm-hmm, creating? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. Cause I still, I, you know, like I forget that I've done this thing cause I'm already like onto the next thing. So I think that's the biggest thing is to like be in a place of like, I know what I know and create from that. Very that's cool. the biggest challenge for me. And what are three of your favorite films of all time? Uh, let's see. Um, breathless. Excellent film. Morris Peros. Mm-hmm. Awesome film. Um, I hate I hate the the thing. Um, I would say, um, A Place in the Sun. Oh yeah, I like that movie. Just uh, somebody had brought up to me recently, and I remembered that movie, and I watched it again. It's so good, <laughs> so so good. I mean, there's a ton of others, but those are mine. Those are. As, as of right now, that's those are the three. Yeah. Um, and now, where can people find you digitally online? You know, like digitally or Twitter and all that good stuff. Mark Gant mm-hmm. at Mark Gant everywhere. So that's that's from Facebook, Twitter, Twitter Instagram. Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. And um, and I've, my website's Mark Gant and Mark Gant Director is my director site. But it all if you go to Mark Gant, it's all there. Very cool, man. Mark, man, yeah. thank you so much for doing Alex, this. Thank man. you, man. This was fantastic. Thank it, you so much. It was great talking to Mark, and I'm so glad we were able to finally get that interview on uh, and and scheduled because I was really wanting to get him on and and delve deep into uh, how he was able to get the Bannon way up and the the behind-the-scenes stories of that as much as everything else we discussed. So, Mark, thank you again so much for for doing that, and I hope you guys got something out of it. I did. I learned a bunch. Uh, You know, Every time I talk to somebody new on this show, I'm learning stuff as much as you guys are. So thank you so much for listening. If you want to get... Links to anything we talked about in the show, just head over to IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash 203 for the show notes. And guys, of course, if you have not done so yet and you guys are fans of the show, please go to iTunes and leave us a good review. It it would mean the world to me. It really would. So uh, just head over to FilmmakingPodcast.com for that. And I want to thank all of the tribe that went over and took advantage of the insane Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Udemy deal at $10 a course. I really appreciate it. We picked up almost 2,000 new students uh, in the tribe. So thank you again so much. I hope you guys get a lot out of those courses. We've got a ton of new courses coming out in the next month. I've got two right now. Uh, and then January is going to be pretty insane, guys, as well. I got some one big, big course that I'm working on right now that I'm going to keep quiet just until 
uh, a little bit closer to the new year to, to let you guys know what's going on with that. But thank you all. And as always, keep the hustle going. Keep that dream alive. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. At T-Mobile, you don't have to choose between a great network and the best prices. We give you both. Switch your family of three or more from AT&T or Verizon to T-Mobile Essentials, and you'll save up to 50% off your current service and smartphones. Bring your current phones to T-Mobile, and we'll pay them off up to $450 each. Visit T-Mobile.com to find out how to save up to 50%. Up to $450 via virtual prepaid card for eligible device payoff. Allow 15 days. Savings may vary. See T-Mobile.com.